Hey, everybody. Welcome to Giant Bomb Presents. I am Austin Walker. Uh, joining me today, Patrick Miller, who has a piece up on our site. Welcome, Patrick. Thank you so much. Hello, everybody. Uh, heads up. I am I am sick, so I'm a little, like, uh, sounding. And Patrick is in a hotel room right now. Because so I'm very uh, sounding. He's also very uh, sounding. He's in uh, your GDC right now, I'm, I'm guessing? Yep. Awesome. How's that going? Uh, it's going great, man. It's I mean, I, I love GDC. I also used to work for GDC, so I it's it's easy for me to enjoy the show. But this year seems pretty great. Uh, a lot of people excited about VR. And also, I don't know, it's like someone described GDC as, as a spring break for game developers. And uh-huh. that's kind of what it is. Like we all get together for a week and just it's like you get to see people who otherwise you only interact with on Twitter. It's right, really nice. Right. That's, that's, that sounds right. Next year, I'm, I'm like committed to getting out there. I wanted to get out there this, this year, but I was so busy. I was just like, uh, it, would, it would be a thing I could do, but it would maybe be irresponsible. Like I have sure. so much other stuff to get done. Um, oh, yeah, totally. But next and year. There's a, lot, there's a lot of people who have been leaving because South by overlaps and all right. that kind of stuff. So totally. It's never perfect, but like the tone of the show is so different than, I don't know, E3 or a PAX or whatever. Yeah, all totally. All great shows, but, but GDC was my personal favorite. Uh, so what are you doing out there? Are you there in a professional capacity? Um, not really. <laughs> I mean, it's always kind of professional. I actually do. Uh, I do help as a summit advisor for the esports summit. It's our second year doing it. Um, basically, what that means is people will pitch talks about esports, and GDC has a track that they put them in. And I help people. I help. I help kind of figure out which talks we want, um, which talks I think people would learn from and want to attend and stuff. So that was all yesterday, and we had some really great talks. We had a, a panel of of kind of former pro players from ranging from uh, Thresh, who's like mm-hmm. the original pro gamer, all the way up to a, a League of Legends player Snoopy, and they all just kind of talked about the, the what it what it was like to be a pro player at different generations and how they how people can kind of use that experience to then uh basically continue a professional career after your competitive viability is gone that's that's Uh, that's a a really important thing i think like as as esports and and just competitive gaming in general is is still in such a young place we haven't had to have the sustainability talk yet in terms of uh in terms of yeah so I mean, really, it's it's actually it's it's interesting to me because it's not really that different from how we see uh, uh, young players coming into like the NBA, mm-hmm. right? And it's you know it's it's a weird time because if you're a pro gamer, your competitive viability is usually when you're pretty young, right? Like a lot of these 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 guys are just kids, kind of um, you know around maybe like finishing high school age, and then they decide to go pro instead of going to college. But where uh, you know basketball and the NBA. They have a, a path and they right. have uh, systems and support structures to kind of help you through that process, right? And they have, um, like, there, there are ways to stay involved in basketball and to, 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 to stay employed even after you're no longer competitively viable. In video games, we're still kind of trying to figure that out, like, across the esports industry, right? Totally. So, so Thresh uh, gave, gave a, a he, his part of the, the the panel was really cool because his perspective was as the first pro gamer, there was nothing there for him. So he had to take that experience and then kind of transform it into a, uh, an, a, 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 a second career, basically, as an entrepreneur. So he's mm-hmm. worked on a lot of tech startups that leverage his games experience, right? On the, on the other side, we've got Snoopy, who's a former league pro, and he was talking a lot about the issues that he's running into. And like he, he was looking into unionizing for a while and right. seeing if that would help players. And, and you know, the issues that he deals with are qualitatively very similar, but it did a different scope and magnitude than Thresh is dealing with, like, you know, upwards of 20 years ago at this point. Totally. I think it's really interesting that – so I guess we, before we go too much further, we should say, hey, 
you currently work for Radiant, and mm-hmm. and a full disclosure, I guess, uh, you, you're going to be working at Riot in the next week, I guess, technically, because of that acquisition? Yes, that's that's more or less how it works. I can't talk too much about Totally, that's stuff, fine. I don't want to get too... Yeah, I'm not trying to get deep into it. I just want to make sure we set it up front. And also just to say, hey, you know what you're talking about. You are involved in these spaces. Um, and one of the things I think is really fascinating about um, both the conversation you're having now and the, the part of the piece that, that you wrote is that you're very interested in the systems and structures around competitive gaming uh, and and how those things uh, can can provide learning experiences, can be there for, for the competitors after they're done in, in competition. And just in general, I think we often tell stories about sports and esports in terms of individualistic or even team-based, but still kind of individual, like, oh, they're just people and they learned what they learned because they're good at this. They're good because they're good. And then we're not going to talk about all the systems around that, but it, I like that you're, yeah. you're bringing a really like structural focus. Uh, to yeah, your analysis. And, and, and honestly, the way I think about it, whether it, whether we're focused on the individual and what kind of competition and the, the process of leveling up can do for, for, for growing that person or at the macro level, for me, it is it is all about figuring out what we get out of uh, chasing these competitive activities. Right. right. Like it took me a long time to understand the appeal of sports because I came at it from a video games perspective and I was never very good at sports as a kid and whatever. Um, it took me a long time to understand why people cared so much. And then I started getting into Street Fighter um, and playing competitively when I was in high school. And when I started getting into that, I realized not only is it really, really satisfying in the moment to compete, it also connects me to this great community of people. Right. And it teaches, it gives me a skill set that I can use to level myself up. Right. Like in general, in a broader sense, not just like, oh, I'm getting good at Street Fighter. Like, oh, I'm getting good at studying. Oh, I'm getting good at thinking about uh, difficult, difficult uh, uh, conflict and and like how do I all of the different nuance in any given uh, in any given like smashing together of things like uh, that sort exactly. of stuff. Exactly, and and part of it too is is you're repeatedly confronted with failure, mm-hmm. and and in Street Fighter in particular, it's one on one individual failure. Right? Yeah. If 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 I lose a match, I have no one to blame but myself. I can't blame my teammates. I can't blame a ref. It's all my fault. And. To some people, that can be incredibly paralyzing and you know demoralizing and all that stuff. But think there there are many of us who just like in your in your average workday, right? You probably don't encounter possibilities for genuine failure that is a hundred percent localized in you and that like often. complete failure, right? Like not yeah. like it's often the case. Like oh, I have a project I'm working on, it doesn't come together the way I want, or I write a piece like ah, oh, this isn't as good as I want it to be. But it's rare that like I sit down and then like oh, I didn't do the things I was supposed to do today. Like nothing, I didn't succeed. Right. Like I, I may have succeeded in some limited fashion, but in Street Fighter, you lose, you lose um yeah the, the the way i like to think of it is you know there's a uh, that old woody allen quote 80 percent of success is, is showing up yeah in street fighter zero percent of success is showing up <laughs> right right if you lose you like that it doesn't matter if you were there or not right <laughs> and so for me it, it, it became really powerful kind of when i especially when i was you know when i was just kind of in high school and in college and figuring myself out it became really powerful to be confronted with failure and to learn how to deal with it repeatedly like multiple times a day without often in front of people right without bouncing right. off of it right because like normally i think we, we when we confront things that that cause us to fail it's all we often make a, a sort of quick calculus okay can i get better at this thing and if not how do i bail as quickly as possible um, so what was it that made you stick with it? Like, you know, you started playing Street Fighter in high school and you got into the competitive scene. How did you do that? And then what made you stick with it? 
So that's actually it's it's a really funny question because I ask myself about this all, all all the time, right? Like there are lots of people who played Street Fighter or any other fighting game, and there are very few people who who like you know basically stuck with it long enough to start actually getting not bad, right? Right. And near as I can tell, it's this it's this recipe of uh, having people who are close to your skill level at first, so you feel like you have like a local goal, right? And there's it's my buddy. I want to play my buddy right. who get, who who's a little bit better than me and so i need to find a way to get better than him right and so there's that it's like the kind of the ryu and ken analogy mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. like one of the one of the reasons i love those characters in street fighters because they act pretty accurately mimic how a lot of people stick with it right so in my case i had friends in, in my high school and in nearby high schools who uh who were also into fighting games i just i wanted to get better than them right which means i needed to pay, play people who were better than them yeah and, and it mean that it meant that I, I needed to start watching videos i needed to start researching how these characters worked and this was and all then, before like for the most part like before there were really good youtube videos of tournaments there weren't there was this, not this was before youtube yes exactly <laughs> Like so, I got super into fighting games in around 2001. So by then, we had uh, the Shoryuken forums, which is like the kind of one of the earlier online communities. But like, it was hard to to get video online. We needed, you know, we needed to have um, like video converters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you needed a, someone who would host a full MPEG file, which you know would often be like yeah. 50 megs, and then you needed to download it, and it took forever, right? All that stuff. So. Uh, and like we just we got good at sharing information. Like a friend of mine had some tapes from the B five tournaments, which was like the closest thing we had to any kind of like high level comp- competitive play. Right. Um, and so we like we'd watch these like bootleg VHS tapes and try and copy down like what we saw the the good players doing and stuff. And then you know so so once we started practicing that stuff, then we could instantly see the improvement in our play. Right. And I could see, oh, my friend's getting better because he learned from this. So I need to learn from this other guy mm-hmm. to figure out how to beat him. And that kind of loop, right, the, the, that loop of improvement is something that's, that, again, is very hard to find in school, for instance, at least for me. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I was bad at math and I did not. I, I didn't I, I, did, I, I will freely admit that I didn't put in as much work as I could have. But you also weren't in like because it, it felt demoralizing. Right, you weren't in a dope math rivalry with your friend. Right. Like yeah. it wasn't like you were trying to dunk on each other with math like that. It wasn't a thing you could really do or it didn't have that. It just wasn't a voluntary thing. Right. Also, yeah. you kind of touch on but, that in the piece, too. It's like you want to play video games. That's a thing that you bring to that thing, to that event, to that activity. Yeah, and and the funny thing though is I was also a competitive high school debater, and I actually mm. competed at a at a moderately high level. Like I would go to national tournaments and I would do okay. I wouldn't do fantastic, and it took me a long time to realize that it's it was because I wasn't working as hard as my competitors were. Right, right. So I managed to coast pretty easily through like local tournaments, just because uh, we had a really great debate team and. Uh, you know, because there were like we had advantages in terms of uh, more experienced public speaking than a lot of our rival schools, and like I went to a school with more resources for the debate team, so I didn't need to work hard mm-hmm. to get be- to to do well, right? And so I was getting into Street Fighter while I was doing debate, and it wasn't until a, a couple like you know a year or two of Street Fighter where I, re- I realized, oh, if I had worked like this on debate, I probably would have done a lot better. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, like we take it for granted that it, it should make sense that when you work at things, you get better. When you practice things, you get better. Right. But it didn't click for me until I saw it in Street Fighter. And that's why it's been really powerful for me to play fighting games. But again, the thing that the thing that is, is so fa- is fantastic about about the way you write about this is that, like, it doesn't mean just practice by yourself in your room or at least, uh, you know, 
pre-network connections that wasn't a thing you could do right like it's it's mm-hmm. a, it's a it's a bunch of different types of practice it is practicing alone in your room and like getting down combos and stuff like that which you can totally practice by yourself to some degree but it's also practicing being playing against uh people who you play against constantly and, and developing a rapport with them not just verbally but uh, a kind of a mechanical rapport with them it's also going to tournaments and playing new types of people it's also just being in a community and learning the jargon of a community it's all of these different sorts of learning um that that there are not always the same like levels of, of access to depending on where you're where you're at. Like, you know, if if you're on the coast, there's a good chance you're going to be near some some major tournaments. You know, we're talking I'm talking about like 10 years ago, 20 mm-hmm. years ago, whereas now, thankfully, I, my understanding is there are tournaments basically nationwide at this point that are at least drivable for most people, even in like the Midwest and the Southwest, stuff like that. Um, That's right. It's it's much easier to plug into a competitive community now. And, and you know, between like what you can find in terms of videos and streams, mm-hmm. right, what you can find in just in terms of uh, other community content creators who aren't just showing this, like showing you, oh, this is this is a Justin Wong video or this is a Daigo video, but this is what he's doing. And this is why. And this is how you can apply this to your own play. Right. Like, Part of the fascinating thing for me growing up with with fighting games and and being so involved over the last like 15 years or so is that we don't just learn how to play these games. We have to learn how to teach these games to other people because the games are not doing a very good job of teaching. (laughs) Right. And fighting games, especially more than other competitive games, are are, are, they're, they're these weird kind of sandboxes where we have to learn how to learn. Right. So like when when we're practicing, it's not like someone gives us a manual of how to practice this stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. It's we have to figure out, oh, uh, you know, in my case, I, I Street Fighter actually got me into martial arts as well. Right. right. I've been training Brazilian jiu jitsu and kickboxing and a whole bunch of other stuff. I actually worked as a boxing coach for a year and I got to learn from other boxing coaches how they taught boxing. And then I get to take that mentality and then apply it to, to fighting. Games, Does that, right? did, that, how- did that transfer? Was that have you picked up skills as a, a jiu jitsu student who that now you can bring over as a teacher of fighting games? In yeah. just a broad it's, pedagogical it's, sort, not in the like, oh, do this leg exactly. hold sense, obviously. Yeah, it's it's not it's not in the sense of um, like, oh, this is how you do a hadoken in real life. Right. Unfortunately, I'm still working on that one. But uh, it, with jujitsu in particular, there's there's a, uh, a a neat concept that a lot of teachers apply called kind of. Uh, the gradual escalation of resistance, mm. right? So when I when I learn a new move, like a, a new sweep or a new choke or something in jujitsu, at first I need to practice against someone who is more or less just a body obeying right. the laws of physics, and that's all, right? But that's not how we actually apply the move. I can't learn the move against a fully resisting opponent, though, right. because be, because first I need to master the basics of just the, those mechanics, mm-hmm. right? And and sometimes the move doesn't start to make sense until they're resisting at fifty percent or sixty percent or seventy percent. And so learning learning a concept in stages and then connecting that move to other moves to form like uh, kind of clusters of competence mm-hmm. are things that absolutely apply to fighting games. That's real, and, and probably beyond fighting games too. You, you touch on this briefly in the piece, but like, there's some of what you write here is probably is probably unique to fighting games, but also just competition and, comp- and competitive gaming in general. You talk briefly about CS:GO. You talk briefly about uh, MOBAs. Uh, we're like those might not be those are team sports, right? Uh, those mm-hmm. are not the same thing as as this kind of like one on one failure is going to be coming. It's going to come down to you. There's no one else to to blame. But but it sounds like a lot of this would translate to other to other sorts of competitive gaming. Oh, absolutely. Like one of the things that I've been fascinated by, by in, in watching kind of the rise of the MOBA, right, mm-hmm. is and, and, and I see this a lot with League players in particular, is uh, so League is kind of a little bit more gentle to newbies early on because you can easily blame your failure either on 
uh, I didn't know what this champion did mm -hmm. or my team sucks. And that was kind of the more common one, right? Is like as, as 20, you know, on, as one person on a team of five, you're only 20% of the success or failure of that team on balance. Right. right. So if you fail, it's easy to be like, Oh, well it was actually this other guy. And that's not demoralizing. It's frustrating to get paired with that, but it doesn't, you're not blaming you. And so you can queue up for another game and feel kind of more okay. But over time, players realize that uh, managing your team's mental state is actually one of the most powerful things you can do in the game. Right. And part of that is diagnosing your own state of tilt or learning to recognize it in other people. Right. Learning to recognize how people get frustrated by getting right. caught out of position or making a mistake or letting down their team and then go on to do dumber stuff. Right. Right. You learning how to recognize that, that and totally. stop it before it happens. Right. Or yeah, and, and, and all this kind of stuff. And often this is like with ad hoc groups of like, you know, four other strangers on the Internet, <laughs> learning how to read each other and read each other's emotional state and try and deal with it as best you can. That's super nuanced and powerful stuff. Right? Yeah. So in, in some sense, league players have to deal with a lot more mental stuff, um, at least in terms of reading emotional state than Street Fighter players do. That layer exists in Street Fighter, but you don't usually get to access it until much later. Right. You're, thinking, so you're, I, you're going back and looking at tapes and saying like, oh, OK, here's where he was frustrated and he he started he started like favoring this one this one maneuver or, or something like that. This this one set of moves uh, and you can account for that going forward. Yes. So, so, so that's part of it. But the other part of it is that since Street Fighter is, is kind of like the, the real game is hidden behind a whole bunch of knowledge and execution stuff. Right. right. So like I like to describe fighting games as uh, they're they're just as rich as baseball. But baseball doesn't get interesting until you have one person who can throw a 90 mile an hour fastball mm -hmm. and another person can, who can hit it. Right. And if there's a significant mismatch on either side, the game is the most boring thing to watch. Because it's just like strike, 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 new inning. Like that's not it's not exactly right. Yeah. So with with Street Fighter, you get to access that mental layer. You get to figure out, oh, what is my opponent thinking? Right. Is he on tilt now? Is he looking out for this thing? Because I just hit it with him three times. Mm. OK, cool. I think he's going to do that based off of, you know, I, I think that he's worried about about move X. Right. So I'm going to hit him with move Y, but which is unlike, counter to the counter to move. X. <laughs> but you unlike a MOBA for years and, and unlike a MOBA, that's that's still just like, how can I exploit this in my opponent and not how do I know that my own team member is about to be in that bad spot? And how do I keep them from falling into that spot where they're going to start playing like trash? How do I exactly. keep them? So so one last question before I, before I let you go, because uh, time is, is, as always, very precious. Um, you mean you don't want to talk about this for hours? I would. Man. That's the thing is if I had time, listen, if I had time, I have to go do a live stream in like three minutes. Um, okay, okay. So, but there is one last question that I think is really interesting. Uh, maybe it's two different questions. It's two different questions. And if I'm a little late, it's okay. One, if you're interested in this stuff, if you're interested in becoming competitive, where, what are some, some resources people can point themselves at? And two, uh, is there, what could be done from developers or by developers to, to help ease people into this situation where they, they are clicking with competitive games? Sure. So for the first one, um, there's a whole lot of great community resources out there. And part of it depends on, on uh, the game you're trying to get into, right? Because people saying they want to get into fighting games, like you usually want to pick whatever game it is that attracts you the most and start with that. Right. So mm -hmm. if you're trying to get into Street Fighter, I highly recommend um, SureYouCan.com is a good place to start. The Street Fighter subreddit has been really great at aggregating resources, and Street Fighter Five is a pretty good jumping-off point right now. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're into the Mortal Kombat games, check out the Mortal Kombat subreddit. Go to Test Your Might and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, also, I, I'll, I'll happily take this as an opportunity to plug my free book uh, from Master to Mas Master. It's an ebook that teaches people the, the foundational skills of fighting games using the cl kind of classic Street Fighter 
Rider 2 as the basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so easiest way to find it is honestly at this point just to Google it. I think we can probably <laughs> link it in the article or something. Yeah, definitely. I, mean, I'll, I'll, I think you I'll, do. I think, it's, I think there's a link to that book in the article for sure. Yeah, but there's a great community of teachers for all kinds of stuff out there. And all you really need to do is just plug your game in, maybe plug the character you want to learn and start with that. Right. Um, as far as the second question, what developers can do, that's, I mean, that's honestly a great question, right? So yeah. fighting games suffer from this, this really strange gap where, like, they're super fun. And the people who have stuck with them for years are convinced, like, all of us are convinced that these are the best thing in the world. But... Before they get fun, you kind of have to suck for a really long time, right? Right, And the way most people get through that is by not realizing they suck until they're already hooked, right? So you play your homies forever, <laughs> yeah. and you think you're good, and so you, you become emotionally invested in being good, and then you get exposed by the world. Right. But that's harder than ever to do because now you can just go online, you can watch match videos, and you can instantly be like, well, I guess uh, I'm never going to win Evo, so why even bother? Right. Right. Um, so honestly, like when, when, when you ask, oh, what can developers do to make this 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 uh, this this kind of this onboarding problem mm-hmm. a little bit easier for the players? It's hard, right? Because I can I compare uh, I compare Street Fighter and fighting games in general to like lifting weights for your brain, and it's it's so in that respect. The like the cues that they can probably be taking are from like stuff like fitness apps, right? That, that right. persuade you to get back in there, even though you know it kind of sucks in the moment, right? Or it's mm-hmm. really frustrating to get started, right? Yeah, we could like devs could do more in terms of tutorial resources or in terms of like surfacing uh, uh, high level play. And actually, Capcom did a great job of that with with a Capcom Fighters Network. It's it's probably one of the most impressive things to me as a competitive player is they make all replays of online. Matches searchable. So right. if you want to yeah, that's totally great. Yes. Yeah, you can just you can just search for the player you want or the characters you want and 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 learn from that, right? But that presupposes that you're already invested in getting good. Yes, right? that you already know. There's there's uh, there's a, a bit in the in the piece where you where you kind of talk about this, uh, where it's like you you already need to know a little bit of of what the lingo is and what you need to be looking for in order mm-hmm. to look at raw material and get something from it. Otherwise, it's just like oh yeah, there's fighting is happening. Oh yeah, yeah, like they they capped a tower. Cool. Like that you're not gonna without knowing you know, without knowing what a build order is, you're not going to know what to get out of watching a, a build order tutorial for StarCraft two. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And more and the other thing is that like the default modality that people engage with video games is, oh, I want to sit down and relax and right. have fun. Right. And that is that is present in Street Fighter, but not without an initial barrier of frustration. So honestly, some of the trick I think might be going back to what we learned from older fighting games. Like everyone re- remembers Soul Calibur fondly. And from a competitive standpoint, like the Soul Calibur community has already always been super niche, but there's a lot of stuff to do in that game that that you could do before you ever cared about PvP. Right. Yeah. So, so uh, like some of it might be, be, might just be figuring out like, what are the, what's the other compelling stuff that we can put this in this game to make it interesting and then let people compete if they want to. Totally. Right. Um, that's, that Smash sounds that really well. Yeah, it does. It totally does. Like, yeah, we, again, we go forever on this, but thank you so much, Pat. Where can people find you on the internet? Um, easiest place to find me is on Twitter at Pat the Flip. You can also find me on YouTube, youtube.com slash Pat the Flip or Pat the Flip on Twitch. As you can see, that handle is pretty, <laughs> it's, it, pretty... If, you, if you find that handle, it's probably me. I even got it on CFN. So if you run into me playing Street Fighter 5 <laughs> online, that's me. Great. Uh, thank you so much, Austin. Thanks really so much for contributing. I, I, yep. Anytime you want to chat, let me know. Will do. Take it easy, man. Bye-bye. Bye.